I think confidence is not what's needed in a late night host. Like every single late night host, you you look at all the good late night hosts and every single one of them thinks they're garbage. Name a late night host you like, you know, like every single one of them thinks that they're garbage, except maybe, maybe Craig Ferguson. Yeah, but Craig, Craig Ferguson was, was going to say. But Craig Ferguson's whole show is just like so detached from the actual, <laughs> you know, like the format, you know, <laughs> but it like certainly was strange. <laughs> Like I uh, loved it though. Like if you if you watch, um, if you I think I think there was some point where uh, uh, Letterman David Letterman who is like the god of late night mm-hmm. Letterman was on Conan's podcast and Conan was like uh, you know I, th- I think he he talked about one time Conan did a like did a show and he's like you know I think we did one or two good shows that week. Uh, and Letterman heard that, and he goes like, "One or two good shows that like I feel good when we do one or two good shows in a year, right?" And that, that's <laughs> David Letterman, <laughs> like, like the entire the entire well, premise. That's, I that's feel that's that standard artistic drive of like hating everything you make. No, for sure, for sure, yeah. right? And but I, I like I don't think Lily Singh has that, and I don't think like I don't think, um, what's his face, uh. James, James Corden, Corden has that, you know, like I just I think they just they think they're yeah, great. I don't think I don't think James Corden is capable of thinking. I, I think he might, he might. I don't know. He might have some actually pretty strong self-hate. No, but James just... Corden is a, James Corden is a fucking star fucker. Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I just can very easily visualize him like staring in front of a, of a mirror, just berating himself, like calling himself maybe. trash. I don't know. Maybe. But like 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 Fallon. Fallon seems like he may or may not, but he also like is is uh kind of not that secretly an alcoholic, you know, which like what? Oh yeah, yeah, there was like there was like a big like a I mean it's it's it, maybe he's not actually an alcoholic, but there was like a big thing going around a couple of years ago where like Fallon was always hitting the bars. There was a point in time where he had his finger broken and like it was because he like f- like tried to do a backflip off a table at a bar or something oh, like that. Shit. Um, On June 26, 2015, Fallon suffered a ring avulsion, an injury he suffered by tripping over a rug in his home and catching his wedding ring on a countertop, which nearly tore off his finger. Jesus sure. Christ. Yeah. yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Fallon drinks a shit ton. Like, And that's like, all right, like, you know, like he says he's not an alcoholic, but like, you can't really see, you know. Um, Horatio Sands has described himself, has described Jimmy Fallon as an alcoholic, right? And Jimmy Fallon's like, I'm not always drunk. It's like, uh, you know, I get that's a joke, but like, you're probably an alcoholic. <laughs> like, Jimmy Fallon's probably an alcoholic, which is like, you know, it's fine. Like, if you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic. Um, oh my God, it sounds like he really did tear his finger off. Yeah, yeah. Jesus no, just. Jimmy Fallon is very likely an alcoholic, and it's very likely because he thinks he's trash, you know? Like, um, and like, fucking let uh uh colbert drinks on his show because he's like <laughs> upset about the world like i think colbert doesn't think he's as good as he is as either right and like seth myers seth myers actually seems put together i think seth myers might be kind of the exception his show's not great it's okay but seth myers seems like he might be a little put together um yes agreed but like conan fucking thinks he's garbage right like <laughs> you know so uh, I just I think I think that's part of what's needed to 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 be really good in this format. Um, you know, Leno had his own head up his ass and he sucked, <laughs> right? Like, well, well, we um, you know, I was I was I've been watching some old Letterman, and I was watching Leno on his show in like eighty two or eighty four, yeah. and. You know, you do have a lot of a lot of stand-ups have that confidence from being a stand-up. Um, but it's one of those things where, like, stand-ups have that confidence, but you can kind of always, like, you can't necessarily see unless you're seeing them every night, right? But, like, you kind of know that most stand-ups, like, the confidence is masking their abject hate of themselves, you know, that also like makes Burnham, me think about right? like Bo, about... Bo Burnham on stage has oozes confidence and and assholery, but you know, like we know just by knowing a lot about Bo Burnham that underneath Bo Burnham absolutely has like no confidence in himself. Like he's oh, he's he's talked about that. He's he's talked about it on podcasts, which is just that he's you know 
he had an anecdote about reading about how Barbara Streisand, I think, deals with I don't know if it was stage fright, but you know, just just that that variety of anxiety before she performs and he's doing this before he goes on stage but he's also talked about it in his performances like there have right. been songs that that go about that um, yeah but like you know and we and we again we, we know that by being well burnham fans but if you watch like the regular stuff you know he doesn't seem like that kind of person necessarily you know that just because you know that and like and knowing it creates another appreciation of his work but it doesn't. It doesn't seem like that when he's performing necessarily. That he that he has that kind of anxiety. Um, you know, like Mulaney too. Mulaney. Mulaney is somebody who actually like seems like he's anxious, but doesn't perform like he's anxious. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is a that is a perfect. That is. Oh, that is a beautiful description of him. <laughs> and he talks about being anxious, even though he never seems that way. Right. Yeah, but that's 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 the that's the shtick. But but like you also like you fully buy that John Mulaney is an anxious person. Like everything about him <laughs> screams like, "Yep, that's an anxious person." <laughs> he's not. What if at home he's just it is entirely an act, and at home he's just like a belligerent but cool. <laughs> Give me a fucking drink, like. Um. <laughs> well, like like Bill Hader, right? Like Bill Hader thinks he's terrible, and like Bill Hader's like amazing, right? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, Bill, I'm like Bill Hader like, regularly I... thinks like his impressions aren't that good, and it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, God, Barry's so good, right? <laughs> my brother's been watching through it. To I need. To, that's, I think that's my next binge. I think it, I need to binge Barry now. It's very dark. Like, no, it's very dark. Yeah, no, I've seen I've seen like the first season of it. I just never like I I just you know kept meaning to to keep going and then just you know haven't gotten around to it. But I will race out to HBO when the third season's completely out. I don't, I don't even know if it's if it's a production. It's probably suspended. Ugh. That's uh, that's neither here nor away. and welcome to this episode of Motion City Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Naim Siddiqui, a.k.a. Kuhan. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Jake Walden. How's it going, Jake? I'm hunkered down. <laughs> you're, what you're saying is you're here and not away? I'm here and away from you. <laughs> I'm, I'm here and not away from my house in a while. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Yes, away from me, but uh, you're always away from me. <laughs> we've we've only been in the same place at the same time, I believe, once. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but you know, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, again, not away from your house in a while. Like, like that's something you don't regularly do. <laughs> I go to Taco Bell and to Walmart. <laughs> And you know, for for a time there, like before this this happened, I was going to Alamo like every day. Oh, that's true. Then, yeah, yeah, the, the draft house. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the theater every day this year. Well, <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're not. <laughs> I was I was talking to a to a couple of friends, and I was like, "Do you think there was like betting on whether or not the XFL season would end early? Because the AAF season ended early. You know, like like the 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 you know the league didn't make it." to the end of the season. I was like, do you think there might've been bets on whether or not the XFL season would make it to the end of the season? And did those bets pay out? Or like, <laughs> was it like, listen, special circumstances, every season ended. <laughs> you're reminding me, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that, but you're reminding me of a, of a thread in sports betting. Oh man. I was like, I, I asked a friend of mine who was a, who was a Vegas odds maker. And he said they, it wasn't open for betting in the U S so he has no idea. But, uh, there you go. I said, Telegram. Uh, let's see this. Any lines on coronavirus? Jesus Christ. Over under infected. Over under deaths. Money lines for countries infected. Jesus Christ. The person who posted this is a good friend of mine. <laughs> Top comment. Have a seat. Your loved ones have written a few letters describing how your gambling affects them. <laughs> I told them. I, told them. <laughs> I got a problem. 
By the way, they, were, they actually, yeah, there were the, apparently there were lines on whether or not the Summer Olympics would be canceled, postponed, or relocated. Yep, yep. And uh, some people got some money, I guess. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, yes was minus 125. No, it was minus 115, or was it yes? What? I yes, don't uh, I don't know. It opened as yes 250. Whew. Jesus. And now it's apparently it was 145 as of 29 days ago. So somebody, someone made some cash. Uh <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> that, is, that is really, like, can you believe that's amazing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, was this a joke or an actual thought that he had? He he was saying it as a joke, but, like, at the same time, it was like, he would he probably would have bet on it. Anyone taking bets on most de- de- degenerate Reddit sportsbook post of 2020? I want to get some <laughs> early na- money down on this one. <laughs> um... All right. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the song The Hero Way. Uh, this is off of Motion City's first EP, right? Back to the Beat was the first EP. I think. What was the one? What was the Promenade? Kids in Carolina. A, oh, Promenade Carolina was the, was the single. Um, and then, no, Kids for America, I think, was the first EP. And then Back to the Beat was the second EP. So I think a lot of the staff on, or, or some of the staff, some of the staff, some of the, some of the, uh, performing credits on this were also on the aside obviously from the band yeah themselves. i think kids for america and back to the beat were like right around the same time um oh, i didn't even pull this up on uh on discogs i'm so you used to just now. having the album next to me but i don't have yeah. all the like eps and like the early stuff so i i really should have looked it up on discogs but i didn't even think about it um let's see back to the beat uh oh it even says backing vocals on there yeah, yeah, I found that too. Oh, yeah. look at that. We were, Jamie, we were definitely Jamie asking Wolford. about this. Yeah. Jamie Wolford. Who is Jamie Wolford? Is that He's a person? He's a British guy who lives in Arizona. Huh. All right, cool. Um, if that's the right. same. If that's the same one, I, I mean, I would guess. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This is Jamie Wolford too, so there might be a different Jamie Wolford. Um, oh. Or they could be, I mean, or it could be the same person that for some reason is listed as two different people on Discogs. Um, because the other the other one on Discogs only has one credit. Well, the Jamie Wolford on Zeroth is the one who showed on Google. Right. Is, yeah. It is the same. But he's a he's a rock artist. It would make sense for it to be the same person. Origin Origin Luton. Oh, look at that. I know. I know Luton. I've heard of Luton. Um, and he's a record producer. So he could have produced this. Anyway, so so yeah, so this is Back to the Beat. Uh, it's the third track on Back to the Beat. Um, the song is the the Hero Way. Um, I guess yeah, we normally don't talk about who's in the band, but uh, since this is an early early release, this is a completely different Motion City soundtrack than we're used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so backing vocals, like we said, was Jamie Wolford. Uh, it says tracks one, so it, I don't know if he does backing vocals on this song or a different song. Um, and Isn't then it just bass, the count. Right. Bass, it says, um, is Austin Lindstrom. Yep. Uh, drums and synth, Joel Habedank. Yep. Guitar, backing vocals, design and synth, uh, Josh Kane. Lead vocals and guitar, obviously, is Justin. Uh, mastered by Dave Pinsky. Recorded by Jamie Jeremy Tapero. Tapero. Mm-hmm. Um. So this is uh yeah so this is this is uh the everything on back to the beat um. Jake, you picked this song, "The Hero Way." What uh, what made you pick this song? I was, you know, we were we were looking at doing some of the ones not off of the the main albums, and I was just was looking through them, and I I liked I this one just seemed interesting to me. I liked the the story of the lyrics. Um, the sound of it was also, you know, I almost call like unrefined but but still yeah. there um like the, the sound that they would turn into was here on refined um yeah you know how to pick yeah, one yeah I, I actually i did i did want to talk a little bit about, about sound uh first real quick so this does say austin lindstrom on the discogs but it might have also been matt potashnik at this time but i don't know maybe maybe the discogs has the actual thing but the discog doesn't have the actual thing for um kids for america but it does for promenade carolina um, which also has Austin Lindstrom. So I don't know if if Matt Patochnik or Patochnik or whatever um, actually performed on any recording 
because he was in the band for a little while. Then he left, and Austin came back uh, before finally Matt Taylor and Tony Faxton joined the mm-hmm. band around the same time, and Jesse Johnson as well. Um, and also, uh, as was evident, um, Austin apparently and Josh did the um, synths because they would like sort of mix off who's doing the synths because they didn't have a synth player um, except for. Andrew Groon briefly and then obviously Jesse when he joined the band for the rest of the band's history um, but for a significant period of time they just didn't have a synth player even though they were a synth heavy band which is super weird <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah so know, that'd be kind of like at the time it sounds weird but now you do have all of these musicians who have the synth that just play at their shows without one of them actually playing it yeah, but that's like, I mean, like, yeah, like Blink-182 does that too, but yeah. like, it's, it's I different. Say, I don't like, say that as a criticism, it's just, I, I'm, it's, I'm just it's, it's just, a... I mean, it's weird for like, for like a band that is a synth-heavy band to not mm. have a synth player. Like, it's it's one thing if you like, if you're a band that has some synths sometimes, you just pipe it in. Like, so uh, in all the small things, uh, it's, it's even hard to notice. It's, it's a little, um, during the chorus of all the small things, if you really listen, there's like a, there's a little like octaves being played on a synth, um, which is cool. It's a perfect, and, but like when they play it live, they just sort of pipe that in because, you know, there's no reason to, for somebody to, to be there playing synth if there's only one synth in the whole song. Um but uh like even the whole set even but like for a band that is is a heavy synth band uh like motion city is it's interesting that uh that joel and josh apparently switched off synth duties and i know like on the wikipedia page it says at some points there was like justin was doing synth and playing guitar during live performances so it's uh it's it's it's, it's just interesting mm-hmm. um gosh there was uh there was something Oh yeah. So, uh, oh yeah. You were saying. So you were saying this is like a sort of um, more unrefined sound, uh, and uh, I totally feel like that. And it sounds a lot like sort of an, an kind of like an, an emo, like a like a, a lo-fi like, emo. I you add trumpets to this, and it just instantly be ska. I know the, <laughs> I know the, I know the trump. I know the trumpets just generally mean ska, but it just. I just really got a Scott vibe from this. It doesn't have, it doesn't have like the the beat. It doesn't have like that that you know that classic ska beat. But I could I could definitely hear this getting a little Scott up. Um. But yeah, it it sounds a little like like early, early, um, early emo and 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 kind of like 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 indie lo-fi punk. Um, yes. Which and, and you can you can definitely hear how this would become what the band sound became a little poppier but still with the with the pop punk and then and then even down to the indie rock stuff later um but uh you were you were specifically saying about this sound uh what was it like you you wouldn't like it if the band kept doing this oh, no, but you no, no, like no, this no, no, no. this this isn't it uh what was a different song i was listening was to. it a different song um oh it was it was stuck in the morning that's what it was my bad yeah yeah, yeah. which we'll i'm sure we'll talk about eventually um so yeah so not this song but i i can totally hear that i I, honestly like this is definitely like this is not their sound and it's not really a sound they continued doing there's maybe a little bit vaguely like this on um i'm the movie which makes sense because this ep also had uh capital h on it uh which was the only song off this ep that made it to an album um the rest of them never made it to an album uh and then on kids for america which was the other ep around this time uh cambridge made it off onto i'm the movie and a thousand paper cranes made it as a um a b-side on that album but uh otherwise back to the beat like this whole ep is very set in the single ep that came out in the year 2000 <laughs> and it definitely i don't know it definitely sounds like a band that was inspired by early mid 90s punk and emo acts um i don't know this this song is definitely i don't know like i like the song <laughs> yeah. i don't know what to say about it do you, do you have any any other like basic thoughts we can talk about lyrics in a second well right now i'm just looking at this album like looking it over on uh, on genius and I'm one trying to figure out what this thing on it is. It kind of looks like a frog toy, a frog pendant. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was a frog, yeah. And then I'm also noticing the symbols next to the MCS that vaguely remind me of uh, of like early aughts element. Just to say, when I was like a seventh grader, I'm looking at element 
clothing of them yeah. all. Um, but also just wondering if they were briefly toying with this idea of having, you know, band symbols like that. Or do they? Are those? Yeah. Um, well, I know because like on, on the Blink album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, was that around this time? I think it was a little bit after this. They had that. Oh, uh, yeah. Blink, Take Off Your Pants was uh, was 2001. So it was, it was later than this. Um but it has that sort of same thing of like has the three symbols, which represents the three members of the band because there's only three members in that band. Whereas uh, Motion City had, I believe, four at this point, right? Yeah, Josh, Jess, uh, Josh, uh, t- um, Justin, and then Austin and Joel. Uh, so it would have been four. So it would make more sense if there was four symbols to represent each this member. Just, this album is just so, this is so 2000. Oh, it's like, every, the cover, it's, yeah. the cover, it's just... Oh man, I like if it. Because I think you can click, you can look at the CD, and the CD makes it a little bit more clear that it's a, a frog toy thing. Is it in a and different it, position? It's it's less blown out. Ah. Um, but then, like, I don't know. This is the inside cover. You can see Josh. Uh, so Justin, Josh, and then I'm assuming it's Joel. I don't know Austin, then Joel. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about these other two guys. Um, but then the back cover has the same like the band's name the same symbols and then what appears to be i'm guessing this is justin like in the same sort of blown out green and yellow yeah. style um it's cool it's a it's a cool like cd ep that like i don't know it's just like a piece of motion city history last sold for uh like 80 bucks or something like that on discogs so you know, maybe when I'm rich someday, I'll buy. Uh, <laughs> I'll go back and buy one of these, uh, some of these old Motion City EPs. Fucking Kids for America last sold for 145 bucks on Discogs. It's bonkers. I love this album art. Uh, it is, but you're right. It is very, very early, like year 2000. Um. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. It's uh. Um, yeah, the instrumentation, I think, like we said, is very, very, like, garage punky. You know, even, even with this album, it feels like it's a little bit, a little bit more refined than just a, than just a garage band. Really? I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know, I'm not saying, like, garage band, but, like, I'm saying, like, I don't know why I'm just speaking, like, derisively, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just, I I really like the guitar in it. I like the synth, although the, the, the synth is so heavy, whereas in a lot of songs there, they like develop that that soft touch with it, or just yeah. the, the great seasoning of it, so to speak. But I, I think that, I think the guitar in this is, is. What's interesting is like the backing vocals are kind of used as an instrument at points too. So like it's it's kind of hard to hear what he's saying in the backing vocals. Uh, assuming it's Jamie Wolford, it could be Josh. I really can't tell. I, um, well, this one is. I think I think Josh when he sings sounds a bit like Justin. So well, this one sounds a bit voices, like Justin. Their voices are similar. Yeah, so, I, mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would say this kind of does sound a little bit like Justin. So this could be Josh. This is for real. Hey guys, just cutting in real quick to say we asked Josh on one of his Twitch streams who sang the backing vocals on this song, and he said that it was him. Uh, he was the only other singer in the band at the time, and we asked him about Jamie Wolford, and he said he thinks he just sang some of like the harmonies on something uh but he was most likely the backing vocals on the hero way anyway back to the show this is for real. but so yeah this one is um and she and she says and he waits and she says where hero way hero way um so the 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 core the uh, title of the song is in the backing vocals but it's really hard to hear the backing vocals kind of um Cause I, it sounds kind of like you know, and and they don't really mean anything, right? And she says, and he waits, and she says, "We're here away, here away." Like that's kind of kind of meaningless, um, which which sort of lends credence to to my thought that it's they're kind of being used as as a instrument more than they are as something somebody's actually trying to sing. Yeah, like sure. actual words. Um, this song also does one of those things that um. That you said you like, well, I guess you you pointed out where like most of the lyrics do not rhyme. <laughs> like the the one line in the chorus that rhymes, uh, and that's it's exactly who we are. Tell me Texas is not that far, and then in the verse, um, she said I looked nervous, so I explained, and then she told me that shuttles and planes aren't mm. the same. 
like but otherwise the whole like whole first verse does not rhyme um and like most of the chorus doesn't really rhyme like it's just it's just like there's four lines in the whole song that that rhyme with each other or two lines that rhyme and then another two lines that rhyme um but like i just i didn't notice it until i was like reading the lyrics right like it's not something you even need to think about which but what also also feels very like early early aughts emo to me like that's the kind of thing that they would do at the time where just like it doesn't need to rhyme as long as you get the feeling of it Mm -hmm. um yeah and i i like i like i'm fine with with songs rhyming or not rhyming but i I, you know I, i like i like song poetry i guess like like just written poetry is more hit or miss with me i like it when i like it when when the the writer does interesting things with syllables and that can be done with rhyming that can be done you know identically to uh just a, like an a b scheme um but at the same time like i really like it like when justin does something he's just like i'm gonna do whatever i want and or, or more like it's like he's gonna go with what he feels and if he feels like singing things that don't rhyme then well it works yeah I will say so. Here's a uh, the the one sort of review I could find of this. Um, it's about the album, the the whole the EP. It says 2001, but I think it came out in 2000. He might have just not gotten it until 2001. This review is from April 23rd, 2001. Um, I like to when we can find like contemporary opinions. Um, and first thing uh, the the reviewer says: When was the last time you heard a band on CD that sounded like they were just having a good time? Uh, I know it's been a while for me, but that dry spell stops right now with Motion City soundtrack. Just that, a soundtrack for doing fun things, which is great. Yeah, there's like great, great singer, fantastic hooks, and an all-around fun sound. And then he specifically says the overall vibe is that of the Get Up Kids, but it's not too obvious. And the Get Up Kids again makes sense, right? Because they were sort of a um more more early emo-y act at the time. Uh, yeah, Midwest emo is technically their um their genre um and uh let's see uh, yes there's king keyboards and the singer has the same sort of high-pitched voice where it's not too derivative uh specifically about the hero way says the hero way is the most balladish of the five songs but the best part about it is that it's less than two and a half minutes so before it gets too sappy it ends <laughs> Uh, the whole song, the, yeah, uh, the whole CD clocks in at under 12 minutes. What a wonderful 12 minutes they are. This is a band I'm now dying to see live. If they can sound like they're having this much fun on recording, who knows how good they are in front of a crowd, uh, which they are. Motion City Soundtrack has all the working parts to become huge, so keep an eye on them. And uh, as we've said many, many times, should have gotten a lot huger than they were. <laughs> uh, let me see if this uh, this guy is following them in the, in the future. Well, he's That's still great. tweets. Scott Heisel's still around um excellent yeah i I think that's a that is perfect uh description of the song yeah it, it ends before it has enough time to get too sappy that's that is so on the money yeah yeah it does it makes a lot of sense yeah um he's written for the riot fest stuff he spent 10 years on the editorial staff of at alternative press i really want to go back and like find scott heisel's future opinions on motion city soundtrack <laughs> maybe he's got maybe he's got a kind of you know folder somewhere um well he tweeted in uh, june of 2019 motion of the soundtrack's reuniting for one show new year's eve 2019 i'm probably not allowed to say much more but i'll say the show's in central time zone uh so he still like comments about the band yeah sounds like he's followed them all along it sounds like he's followed them since yeah since day one that's Sick. cool yeah <laughs> that's <it is>. awesome <laughs> absolutely uh he emailed he interviewed them about go like yeah that's awesome that's so cool <laughs> it's so cool going back and like seeing really early stuff and then um yeah here's an article from june of 2019 that he wrote for i think his um he's got his own like newsletter thing it's the starts with i followed most city soundtrack's career since before its members would probably even call it a career here's my earliest mcs clipping and then it's the review we just read <laughs> i've seen them literally countless times uh, some of my closest friendships exist specifically because Motion City existed. That's awesome. <laughs> That's super dope. Um, it's when he's talking about them reuniting, which is super, super dope. That's that's you 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 really want to be like one of those writers who just follows a band from beginning to end and rebirth, right? Like <laughs> that's dope. That's so cool. It <laughs> is. It is. Um. All right. Let's talk a little about the lyrics. Um. So there is one thing on song meanings, but 
I'll talk a little first about our own um, interpretations real quick. So I think this is pretty straightforward, just a a telling of an actual story that might have happened. Yep. Um, oh yeah, I think for sure it is straight. I think it is. I think it is verbatim autobiographical. Although here's the thing: is I don't think it's verbatim autobiographical, specifically because he says it was an isolated incident back in 1984, and then he talks about uh, the shuttle I saw on TV, which I assume is the Challenger, but that was in '86. When did um? I didn't even. I researched everything about it, and I and I meant to make a note to look that up for the timing, but I, I that was that was what I didn't look up. Um, were there other maybe satellite launching rockets that blew? Up? I don't. I don't think so. I think the the, the I mean because the big I mean the Challenger explosion was like the big thing of that time. I mean it's possible that it, like he just wrote it in 1984 sounded better than 1987 or whatever. Because um, it'd also be weird because he was he was born in seven in seventy six. In seventy six, so it'd be weird for him to be flying on a plane that without happens. his parents in no, at happens. age eight. At age eight, yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it'd be a little bit weirder. Yeah, but it would have been weird if he, if it were nineteen eighty seven when he would have been. He'd be eleven. I, it's, yeah, I guess it's, it's still fully it's still reasonable. Not quite so age, weird for him to hold the hand 11, of, a, yeah. of a woman on the plane. I don't know. I an eight year old flying. I don't think. No, I don't think it's. I don't think it's that crazy. But it just it makes it. I, I feel like it makes a lot more sense if he's talking about the Challenger and just eighty four sounded better than eighty seven. You know, like or eighty six even. You know, well, when it actually happened. Look up shuttle explosions. Yeah, I, I looked up shuttle. Expl- I mean, it only showed me Challenger and Columbia. There might have been other things that were happening, but like Challenger was the one that, like, that's a, that's a cultural touchstone, right? Um, so like, it, it just it makes sense for it to be the Challenger, and it's it's within a couple of years of it, so it, I think it might just be artistic license. Um, because like, w- what else could it be talking about? <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. That actually was the thing. So I, I, I told you before the show started that I wanted to talk about something, and that was the thing that I wanted to talk about. Like, I feel like this has to be about the Challenger explosion, but it says 84 and not 86. So what the fuck? <laughs> but, like, I think f- it, just, it just hits the ears better. Like, a- 84 hits the ears better than 85, 86, 87, 87 88. there's a T-38 engine failure, 89. Oh, wait, 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 we're going to early 80s. 1982, T-38 struck by lightning, 82. Oh, wait, these don't have. Why isn't the rock? Why? I don't know. It's, um, not, it's not really that important, I guess. <laughs> but like, to me, like, because the, the the challenger is a thing that people talk about as like, you know, everybody saw it. Like that's it's in a it's in a Brad Paisley song. <laughs> I was a kid when the shuttle died or whatever, and the whole world cried. Um. Oh no, it's not. It's not Brad Paisley. It's Mark Willis. What I think that was. Mar- I think that was Brad Paisley. A space shuttle fell out of the sky and the whole world cried. Uh, it's just it's it's a thing that makes sense to be in songs rather than just like some random thing that happened that he noticed. But maybe I don't know. But the shuttle that I saw on the TV, like that's just everyone saw the shuttle on the TV, the Challenger. Um, a, what's also I, I mean, interesting, I'm sure this isn't it. There was an explosion. A, a Russian rocket exploded in 1980. But yeah, that's that it, wasn't in the air. I th- I think it's just that four sounds better as a lyric than six. Definitely should have looked that up. Um, no, I looked up instead. I was reading about the history of inflate entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the radios. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, what's well? Here's here's what I was thinking when I was when I was looking at this. Um, I was I was wondering if it was a like a like a segmented song where the like at the first part he's talking about he's talking with someone about his experiences on a plane and so and we turn on the radio and we're laughing out loud as like he's in the car with someone and they're talking about this and then he goes back to talking about the i feel like i feel like so because i remember as a kid which obviously was well after 1984 but i remember as a kid like being able to plug headphones into the seat well it's just specifically describing it as the radio was like right but like you know it's not necessarily like an actual like radio like i remember here's here's the thing so (laughs) as i was reading about uh oh where is it yeah a brief history of in-flight entertainment this is going to be riveting prior to the introduction of regularly scheduled audio entertainment for airline passengers there were many instances of the cockpit crew in a propeller driven aircraft tuning into a ground-based am radio station and piping that transmission into the passenger cabin Interesting. And then, and then American Airlines converted that into like an actual, 
radio station specifically for it sounds like it uh for a time american airlines transcontinental passengers were treated to listening to a music in the air network broadcast as cockpit crews tuned into radio frequencies noted on a company supplied list so it actually does sound like they could just they could turn just turn on, on the, the radio turn on the yeah. radio yeah um yeah okay so i guess maybe that's just <laughs> maybe it's just they turn on the radio um what's also um you know listening to this in the context of uh everything is all right you know the lyric i hate the ocean theme parks and airplanes like it's it's another song that's kind of about his anxiety of flying um i don't know if i think there might be other ones that he sort of talks about anxiety of flying but the big one obviously is everything is all right mm-hmm. um I... so like yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, listening to the music, you know, Justin has the anxiety issues, so it's interesting to sort of um, to hear it this early on, in, in that he's sort of talking about a time that he had an anxiety of flying, but uh, you know, potentially, probably still did when the song was being recorded. Um, on song meanings, not a lot on song meanings. Uh, one person says that I put this in my top three favorite Motion City soundtrack songs, although this was in 2004 when there were about 15 Motion City soundtrack <laughs> songs. <laughs> uh, I think it's about being nervous at first and meeting someone about how others can easily open up to you. That way you'll quickly become friends. I think that's part of it too. Yeah. But I think it's, again, pretty straightforward just uh, about the flight. Uh, and then someone I think has how total strangers can come together to support one another. In this case, the lady helping him overcome his fear of flying caused by the recent space shuttle disaster. The date of 1984 would have been when the singer was a teenager. They said maybe 17, which is he would have been uh, eight. Um, yeah. I always imagined that perhaps he was going to college and flying alone for the first time. Hmm. Maybe he was scared of the new responsibility, blah, 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 which obviously... You know, some of that's just uh, overthinking something that isn't true. <laughs> like, I like somebody wrote this in 2005 thinking he was 17 in 1984, which would make him 30 year, 37 years old in 2005. <laughs> like, you think someone's, you think someone's getting to be a, a slightly small, like slightly big pop punk at the age of 37? Like, no, that's not happening. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I respect the interpretation of it, but it, like... It seems very clear to me that this is, you know, uh, uh, that there's an age discrepancy between between yeah. the the the, s- the narrator of the song and Miss and Miss West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, it also, I mean, it also could make sense that that he, at age, what would we be like twenty right now, at this at this time, when uh, they recorded, it been twenty four. 24 yeah that uh that maybe like you know he at age 24 was sort of writing about himself a little bit younger but placing himself even younger like i don't know it's not she's not necessarily fully on it maybe he's not actually eight and flying on the plane maybe he's 13 he didn't actually have the wings but you know because even since i held my wings into the frozen window like the little wings that that a kid gets while flying on a plane especially because i don't know maybe maybe eight-year-olds in 1984 were more likely to fly alone but um when i was 10 and flying alone like the flight attendants kept checking on me <laughs> like i i wouldn't i wouldn't have been alone next to like a random teacher <laughs> like but you know who knows well, it was different there was a, yeah no of course was it was a, different it was, it was a pre-9-11 the... world <laughs> it was, i was 10 in 2003 i get it <laughs> um where do you think it would have been going in west texas yeah, family in West Texas. I don't know. I'm just I'm just grasping at straws now to find something to talk about. <laughs> um, boy, I thought I had a better grasp on the geography of Texas. El Paso in the West, Amarillo. That sounds right. Yeah, Lubbock. Yeah, El Paso is right on the border, uh, uh, with with Mexico and and New Mexico. Um, but then Lubbock, of course, is I think the big Lubbock and Amarillo are the big ones and. I mean, Texas is just so large. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, it's it's fucking huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you'd you'd have to assume family. Yeah, right. Um, it makes sense, yeah. especially if he's like eight or twelve or whatever he is around this mm-hmm. time. Um, assuming that eighty four is artistic license. And was he was he born in Minneapolis? Or you know, yes. The, okay. So. Well, it says he was raised in Minneapolis. I don't think we technically know where he was born. Mm-hmm. But he grew up in Minneapolis, or not Minneapolis, and in, in actually, yeah, yeah, I, I remember Matomedi. thinking. 
the the frozen window i i I just remember thinking reading and distinctly thinking that was like he's it's winter in in minnesota and they're flying to well i would think more likely um on a plane all the windows are frozen (laughs) because you're in the air like when you're in the sky (laughs) i mean it's it's all cold (laughs) yeah but frozen i don't know i guess it could just make very cold Uh, yeah (laughs) i mean this is structurally this is like i like this but this just seems a little bit odd as well um I like almost like was this a, like a creative writing assignment that he that he developed into a song? I'm thinking like is this, is a is a person who assigns the creative writing or the you know writing poetry? Aren't they going to want him to write like rhyming and and accurate syllable schemes? So well, I mean maybe but maybe not. Or maybe it's like a maybe it's like an early draft of a creative writing assignment and he liked it better, but they wanted something more rhymy. Because I could totally buy like the first, like maybe the first part being, you know, uh, a creative writing assignment. Just like it was an isolated incident back in 1984 on a plane headed south to West Texas. I held my wings next to the frozen window. Like the the first, the first verse being being like an assignment, and then the rest of it being fleshed out afterwards. That's something I did when I was doing stand up. I had a, a we my friend and I wrote a joke song about Charles Dickens, and. Um, when we were like in freshman year of high school, like 14. And, um, I went back when I was like 18 and fleshed it out into like a full song, uh, to, to put into my stand up set. Um, so I could certainly see something like that happening where you, you think of one, you have one verse and it's just in your back pocket of stuff. Should also track as to why that's not rhyming. Cause maybe they were talking about, maybe they're doing poetry without rhyming. And then the rest of it kind of rhymes a little more because you're making a song. I don't know. I'm just a thought. All right, I guess let's uh, let's talk about the one cover we got. I was supr- I was shocked to find a cover of this song. Yes. Actually, I couldn't believe it. I was hoping to find an alternate version. I didn't find a single alternate version. It wasn't on any other album. They didn't. They've like never played it live, or if they have, it's just not recorded anywhere. But I did find a single cover of this song. Uh, so this is Elysia song, uh, which I, I think might be a band. Um, but this is the cover of the Hero Way. Yeah, I mean it's a pretty straightforward cover, but it's mm-hmm. um, it sounds like a full band. I don't know if it is actually a full band. Uh, apparently, this person uh, says, "Hi, I'm Elise, and I used to be in a band called Barcodes and Stripes, and now that's done, I do my own stuff here." This is from four years ago, but they posted something like seven months ago. They still post on Instagram and stuff, so uh, they're still active. So, if you want to check out Elysia songs. Um, or Alicia song. Uh, I don't know. Did you did you did you pick up anything in this cover that was uh, interesting to talk about? Just it seemed like that that guy's been among the more Justin sounding singers that we've that we've played uh, as far as people covering him go. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think they're in a band called Alicia and the Punk Ass Bitches. I don't know if this again. <laughs> I don't know if this is a full uh band cover or just uh just Alicia but uh yeah I don't know I uh I liked it I thought it was chill I mean you know it's not something yeah. I don't think I don't think it's something I'd listen to over the original um, so that one sounds more like well the, it, it one definitely seems a bit more emo to me this one does yeah interesting I don't know it, it I honestly think I mean maybe it's just because it's a little less polished uh, yeah. that it sounds more emo like well, the that original probably, that, the, that's probably it I'm talking about the original. The original sounds less polished than this. Oh. No, 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 no. This this one sounds very rough to me. This one sounds very, very. Um, this one sounds very garage band to me. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that for sure. But I, I think, I think that's like, 
it's like the recording sounds less polished, right? But like the actual playing sounds a little more polished to me. Um, especially because Motion City is such a polished band. Like that's part of what they do is like everything they do is is super duper polished. Like you you know you listen to to I Am the Movie compared to Even If It Kills Me, and it sounds you know not like two different bands, but like you can really tell that oh yeah this band is you know it's four years later and this band is so much more like polished than they used to be um although they went a little bit a little bit less polished again on on some parts of dinosaur life but it's still like especially like you know that like when they play live they play everything exactly as the album for the most part um whereas something like the hero way sounds just so much i don't know i don't know it sounds it sounds grittier um i don't want to say grungier because grunge is a genre you know um so like when I say grungier, I don't mean the genre grunge as mm-hmm. much as I do like just like the sound is less. Uh, no, yeah, less... no, I, I I know what you mean. Yeah, just grittier. Yeah, I don't know. I guess final thoughts. Um, do you have any? You have any final thoughts? No, man. Like I, I could just keep on saying random things that I've already said. Yeah, I, yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting to hear them. You know, hear their their early days. Their you know pre channeled and refined. But I I like it. It's it's. You know, I like it for the same reason I like Stuck in the Morning. It's it's different, but it's, you know, it's it's different familiar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's some of this early stuff that I like. Some of it I like more than others, right? Like, which it's going to happen with any album, I guess. Um, but uh, but it's, it's really interesting to hear, like, to hear some of their early stuff because a lot of it, like, I, I just don't, I just don't go back and listen to Back to the Beat that often. Like, it's just not, it's just not an album that I, or an EP that I go back and listen to just cause it's, you know, it just takes more effort to listen to it <laughs> than mm-hmm. it does to listen to some of the, the, the regular stuff, uh, the, 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 uh, released stuff. Um, you know, like even some of the, some of the B sides I listen to a lot less, just like, uh, like most people do, I guess with most, most bands. Um, so it is interesting to go back and like really listen to this song and uh, I can definitely like I think by the time we're, we're done with some of this early EP stuff like I'll definitely go back and start listening to it a lot more than I used to because um, even when like I think um, at some point a few weeks ago we were thinking about doing uh, Back to the Beat uh, and like the song Back to the Beat mm-hmm. and I was like I think I wanted to hold off on it for some reason Um but uh, but it's definitely like you know as I go back and listen to some of the older stuff, like I said, it happened to me with I'm the movie, where I had never like listened to I'm the movie that much, and when I went back and finally listened to I'm the movie, I was like, oh yeah, I like this is I I I like this album, and so I've done that similar with Back to the Beat where I've listened and I'm like, you know, this does seem a lot a lot rawer and a lot you know earlier, but it is it is cool to listen to. Um, I'll be really interested when we go back and listen to like Promenade and Carolina, which are both songs that I've heard maybe a couple times each, you know, like not that often. Uh, just like just like with Kids for America and Back to the Beat, where I'm just not listening to them that much. So it'll be really interesting to go back to those. Um, so we'll do that, I guess, at some point. <laughs> of course, we always we got to get to all of them. So those will those will be a couple of them when we get, we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, that I think will do it for this episode of Motion City Podcast. I think it probably turned out to be a little bit of a short I think we turned out around the same around the same time as usual um if you want to follow us on Twitter we are at motion city pod that's what we are on Instagram as well but we never post on Instagram so I mean if you want to follow us go ahead uh motion city pod at gmail.com our patreon is motion city pod everywhere we're motion city pod unless we're not there in which case we're not there uh if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Kuhan. Uh, I'm at Kuhan Luke on Instagram. Actually, I post a lot of me playing guitar on Instagram. Uh, if you care about that stuff, that's good. You should you should subscribe. It's not that good. Or follow. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. J- Jake's my biggest fan, so <laughs> uh, you can follow Jake on Twitter at xfip minus. That's the letter X and then F I P and then the word minus spelled out. Uh, I think we talked last episode about getting him a new Twitter handle and then just never did it. <laughs> uh, and uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the things you can find us on. Uh, oh, you can follow, find the show. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Um, that's it. 
and uh, make sure to like and review us and all that stuff on Apple Podcasts. I'm told it really helps. It'll help other people discover the show, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that'll do it for this edition of F- Motion follow, City. Follow the band. Follow, follow the uh, band. Sure, yeah. yeah. The band <laughs> is at Motion City Music. Uh, Josh is at Joshua Kane. He does some Twitch streaming a lot. Jake is, is usually there uh, when Josh is Twitch streaming. I think he's probably streaming right now. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Tony is at Tony Thaxton. He does a lot of podcasting. J- Justin is at JCPMCS. Um, he used to do a lot of tweeting. I think he's. Uh, it's weird that Justin is tweeting less now. <laughs> you would think he'd be tweeting more. Um, oh, uh, you, you should retweet. I guess it probably won't be our most recent tweet. Maybe I'll maybe I'll pin it. You should retweet our tweet about getting Justin to do a live set <laughs> on on YouTube, uh, <laughs> unless he's already done it by now. Because this is coming out like a week after we're recording it, so maybe he's already done it by now. Uh, and oh, what uh, Jesse and Matt? Right, Matt is at Matt S Taylor. No, Matthew S Taylor. And Jesse, Matthew Matt never tweets. And Jesse is at Jesse Mac J. He also never tweets. Yep. So, so really, the big ones are Tony, Justin, and Josh, and Claudio, uh, and Claudio, of course, Claudio Rivera. I is at I am Claudio Rivera. It's just at no, Claudio Rivera. At, he's on, at, on at Claudio Rivera, Twitter, right? Yep. yep. Yeah, at at Claudio Rivera. Although Claudio is like ninety five percent political retweets. Uh, so if that's not your bag, <laughs> I totally understand. It is my bag, but if it's not your bag, then I totally understand. No need to uh, to follow. Uh, but, you know, cool. All right, <laughs> that is it for this episode of Motion City Podcast. Until next time, here away. <laughs> no? He- here away. This is who we are. That's almost good, and that's exactly who we are. That's almost good. This is Motion City Podcast, and that's exactly who we are. Until next time, we've been Motion City Podcast, and that's exactly who we are. (laughs) No? All right. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Maybe. That that goes in the maybe pile. Turns on the radio And here